start in the gospel text from this morning that is in parentheses. <coughs> though your bulletin doesn't show it. You can omit it if you wish. There is some discretion that can be used. Even in the gospel book up there, the main part of the gospel text, known as the Transfiguration, actually ends at the bottom of the page and the parentheses portion, you have to turn over the page to read it. It's that easy to omit it. Now, I have a little chat with myself almost every single day this week whether or not this literal pulpit would become my, quote, bully pulpit where I would simply pound my way through the parentheses. Perhaps I've got you right now where I want you. <laughs> You're not going anywhere. <laughs> but you know, that's an illusion because you can walk out on a sermon. It's been done before when the sermon material gets a little bit too controversial <coughs> or too boring or if the coffee is attacking the bladder right now that's <laughs> not even going to go back this sermon is not to make my issue your issue because it is not the issue does that make sense Probably not. <laughs> well, as one of my colleagues said to me, who knows me fairly well, George, you know, Jesus almost nonchalantly cured this kid of his epilepsy, and he hasn't done that for you yet. Well, that's blunt. That's blunt. You can't force that on the congregation. Now, if I'm honest, and if we are honest about the scriptures for this last Sunday after the Epiphany, known as Transfiguration Sunday, it's about the Epiphany, not about epilepsy. And the theme has to do with the glory of God being reflected in the appearances of faces. You know that Exodus passage that we heard? Tells us about how Moses' face was reflected in the glory of God. And Luke goes so far as to not only describe how Jesus' face was reflected in glory, but his clothing became dazzling white. Moses Elijah appeared next to him in his glory. And <coughs> the three of them together must have absolutely freaked out St. Peter, John, and James. Peter thanked God for his honest recording. Suggests he and his friends build three dwellings to keep Jesus 
and Elijah and <coughs> there with them up on the mountain. St. Luke actually puts the comment this way, quote, not knowing what he had said. Now, some of us are privileged to witness these kinds of events like that of a transfiguration. I'm not one of them. I do, however, have a sense of what that feeling is of light, glory, overwhelming you. For example, to me, it just plain <laughs> hurt me physically. It hurt me to the point that I mean this out of all due respect that I finally had to buy some of those Ray Charles kinds of glasses that you put over your, quote, regular glasses. Most of you have already seen these. And when I step outside and there's any kind of light out there, the lenses will immediately turn dark to protect my eyes from sunlight. Because once I started taking a certain combination of anti-seizure medications, my eyesight was that negatively affected. Again, it just plain hurt me to be in that kind of a glorious transfiguration. We read from today's scripture text that neither Moses or Jesus stayed up on the mountains where they were secluded from people. <coughs> they came down to be with people. That's how important flesh is to God. Flesh is not negative to God. So important it is to God that he put it on in the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. The transfiguration of Jesus is not really going to mean all that much if Jesus' extraordinary experiences stay away from ordinary folks like us. Now I can see plenty of ordinary folks like the ones who are here right now, who are here right now because this extraordinary glory came to them in the midst of some very dark and low points in their lives. For instance, I'm going to have some visual examples. There's this little book. Some of you already know what it is. It's the little blue book that's changed millions of lives of those whose lives hit literal, not the proverbial rock bottom. They actually ended up out on the streets. This book has two words on the front cover. It's been reduced to two letters. A. A. Alcoholics. In those of us who are recovering alcoholics, 
know that you're never cured of alcoholism. It's not that all of a sudden we get this urge to no longer drink or have this urge to suddenly drink in moderation. There's no cure. There is no cure to being an alcoholic. But there is healing. Because broken people who have the grace to work together in relationships, they are hard relationships, can become whole and become healed. I'm going to say a little bit more about that in depth later on in the sermon. As I drove back to Hayesville yesterday, as is my custom, I listened to commercials on the stereo, especially to pass my time while driving through Cleveland, Tennessee. <laughs> because even the commercials are more interesting than Cleveland, Tennessee. <laughs> you know what the commercials were advertising? They were advertising hospitals, doctors' offices, medical supplies, and alternative medicines. The hospitals were talking about their rankings and their ratings, their results. The hospital offices bragged on how they could beat any medical condition that you had. The medical supply companies used snapped slogans like a cure and every novel. And the alternative medications bragged that they could beat any medical condition when the traditional treatments didn't work. Now, let me preach this, because I know that there are some of you who are in the medical field. Thank God for the traditional and the non-traditional medical approaches that promise <coughs> Cure. I promise cure. Now please hear me for illustration. Just prior to a surgery, my neurosurgeon bent in to me and said, George, I'm batting thousand on this one. He did not lean into me with his fingers crossed, saying, Gee, I hope this works. <laughs> he gave me actual data. He was batting a thousand on that particular surgery. Now, I've been with others of you in your hospital rooms when the medical folks did come in and make a promise of cure. Of results. Thank you, medical folks. Literally, thank God for you. But that is not the same thing. It's not the same thing as healing. 
There's this woman named Sarah Watts. Read anything that she writes. Sarah Miles. Easy name to remember. It's not easy, but it's good stuff. She's the founder and the director of what is known as Food Pantry at St. Gabriel's Episcopal Church out in San Francisco. It's a tough place, and that's putting it mildly. There's no public prestige in that vocation for her. She works with those who are addicted to alcohol and drugs, gay teenagers who have been kicked out of their houses because they came out, gang members, those living and suffering with cancer, pregnant, abused women, a whole messy diversity of humanity. Now, additionally, Sarah Miles often works with the chaplains who are at San Francisco General Hospital. And while all those other hospitals will brag about their results, San Francisco General actually has t-shirts that read as real as it gets. One of the chaplains who was there, once present in the ICU ward, was there at a time that a young man who was in a gang was brought in. His name is Leon. He had been shot in the head. His mother was there. I'm going to read to you her reflection on that experience. She writes, I started to wonder what I could do for that mother. I could have stayed, tried to work things out, tried to fix things, tell her that God was working out some purpose, or say something cheesy like, God needs Leon out there. I didn't even know Leon. Now, I could have gotten up and just left the room, giving the mother some time to be with her son. That would have been easy. I could have left behind all the breathing machines and the tubes going in and out of his arms. There's a third option. Stay. Be. This meant I needed to sit there with my own fears of losing a family member and sit there with the fear as a childless chaplain, I was totally inadequate. So I stayed with the mother and I just said, this has got to be so hard. She looked at her son and she cried. So I did not leave. I did not leave, and I was uncomfortable. 
There was nothing that I could do but be uncomfortable and believe God was present in that space, in a space that was very close to the ground, very unadorned. Not high up a mountain, not glowing in glory. Same thing as here. Just goes by different names. Murphy Medical, Union General, Chateau Regional, Clay County, Elderly Care. Doctor's offices, physical therapy, houses, over in Hiawassee, Young Harris, Blairsville, houses on this side of the world. Over at the chapel. even up at our altar way, where healing always takes place. Which is not the same thing as cure. Like I said earlier about AA, healing is about restoring wholeness. <coughs> and there are parts of all of us that are broken. Broken in our relationships with one another. Broken in our relationship with God. Healing, an operation, is not going to cure In the months that first followed Hurricane Katrina, a woman known as Miss Ella was injured and she suddenly became wheelchair bound. And she asked a mission team that I first headed up when I was involved in another church if we could build her a handicapped ramp. Now, to be blunt, her family and her friends had either died or left her in Hurricane Katrina. She had no one. So she asked us if we would please build this ramp for her. So the team I was with had a great logical discussion and it basically followed, why are we doing this? Why are we going to build this woman a handicapped 
ramp in the heat of New Orleans when she's not going to live that long. Let's watch. But we decided that we would go ahead and build the ramp. And we did. And at the end of that, I threw on the stove, team gathered around in this Ella, and we asked for God to bless the ramp. Not weeks later, I got the call that Miss Ella did in fact die. She died completely eating. Yes, she died and was healed. Because she finally gave up that anger that she had at her family and her friends and at God. And she died at peace because there were people who would come and be with her knowing that she was going to die. Other people would be with her in her pain. Now when I passed that along to that mission team, Let's just say that there were some glowing faces, transfigured faces from below Exuma. Though Miss Ella was not human. 